Um, if you turn in your Bible, Psalms chapter 34, I wanted to share something real quick while you turn it in your Bibles to, to give you a little plus. Y'all know a few weeks ago we started doing some things together, right? We started praying together as a church and, and reading Scripture together as, as a church. And um, I, I hope now you're, you're still enjoying Matthew. And um, I hope you're able to keep your, your six-week car there that we can do some things together. But one of the other things that we've done recently is we've brought Sunday school teachers and some different ministry leaders and things up front for you to know some people. And you got to meet the Sunday school teachers, the adult classes. You've met the, the youth teachers, the youth workers, those that work with the children's Sunday school classes. I, I, want to, I want to encourage you to make next Sunday, if you don't have a Sunday school class, if you do have a Sunday school class, be there next week. And um, I, I, I just, I may, maybe shoot, I'll be honest, Sunday school has slipped in classes to less than 100 people. Um, it continues to, to hold a number a little bit lower than normal, but we've got great Sunday school classes, great Sunday school teachers, and you learn an awful lot in Sunday school. So here's a freebie for you. When Robin and I started going to faith, it was 1995, and we had talked about Sunday school, and we were going to visit some. We had him hauled around, but it, you know, it's a lot easier to just keep putting it off, right? You know, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that and got ideas and put it off until one fall morning we forgot to set our clocks back. Which means we got here at 9.30, right? We never missed Sunday school again that I know of, not on purpose. God has a way of getting us here on time and getting in it. So here, here's... It can't be any simpler for you. If you've been looking to get in Sunday school, try Sunday school, do anything with Sunday school, just don't set your clock back next week. That's all you got to do. You do it exactly like you did this morning. You get up and you come to church. The only thing different is when you get here, go find your Sunday school class. It's not going to get any easier for you. Amen? Matter of fact, if y'all want to, just do that. And then when we get out of church, we'll all set our clocks back and we'll go eat at, at well, that'd be 11 o'clock. We would set them back. We did it on that, wouldn't we? Well, Psalms chapter 34, if you turn in your Bibles this morning, I want to read a passage of Scripture. We're going to begin reading verse number 11. Psalms chapter 34, verse number 11. He says, Come ye children. So right out of the gate, who's he talking to? You and I. He's talking to the Christians, the, the born again, the believers. He says, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, if you take that back and... And, and look at David as a writing. You'd say, well, David is talking to his children. David is talking to the people there. Of course, David had a lot of people he called children, being king and ruler that he was. But um, one of the things that I see that really stands out in that verse, he says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. See, that, that's important. The Bible tells us to teach our children to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Train them up in the way they should go when they're old and not depart from it. But can I tell you, that, that is our assignment, to teach them. You cannot give them the fear of the Lord. You cannot give them salvation. You, you cannot give them any of the things you feel. But what you can do is teach them. And if we teach them, then that leads up the Holy Spirit to guide them and to draw them, to direct them. And so he says, I will teach you the way of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that, he may see good. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. That's not for the children. That's for all of us. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That's for all of us. 
The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Man, what a promise. Verse number 16, you don't want to be in this category. The face of the Lord are against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Do, do y'all see that? Does your, your Bible say that? Who are the righteous? Christians. Born again, washed in the blood, trusting Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. Reading your Bible every day, praying every morning, teaching your children about the goodness of God. Doing your best to try to be a Christian example, live a Christian life. The righteous, that's what he said. But he says that the righteous, i got to find my place. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know what afflictions are, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord's delivereth him out of them how many yeah let's say that together one more time the lord delivereth him out of them all i want to take just a few minutes and look at a message never forgotten never forsaken god thank you so much for being so incredibly good God, I thank you, Lord, that on the worst day of our life and the worst storm we've ever walked in, the worst trial we've ever faced, the worst thing we've ever had to live through, you were there. God, you knew all things then. You held all things in your hand. And even in then, you were always good, God. There's never been a time that you're not good. Lord, we deal through problems and trials and troubles and adversities and tribulations in life. And you said that they would come. Lord, you said there'd be rejections and people to, to persecute us. You said that they persecuted our Lord and Savior first, and they do the same to us. Lord, you said that many are the afflictions of the righteous, Lord. That lets us know that there's going to be some valleys. There's going to be some dark times. But your word says that you're always there, Father. Thank you so much for this promise, for this precious book. Thank you for us, for these, your people, God. I pray you'd anoint and touch every person, every family in this place today, God. I pray you'd pour your spirit out upon each. Lord, I pray you'd meet each and every need, God. I pray you'd touch every hurt, every, every ailment, every broken situation. I pray, God, above all, that we'd be pleasing to you in all that we do. We love you, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Verse number 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. That means that nothing has ever happened to us that the Lord did not see it. That means that we've never prayed a prayer. Let, let, let me just see if we're all in this together. You ever prayed a prayer before and you thought the Lord wasn't hearing you? You, you, you ever felt like you're being awfully repetitive and you continue to throw them, but you, you feel like your prayer is just not being heard? That's not what the Word of God says. His ears are open continually. He's always listening to all the prayers. What a blessing it is to know that the eyes of the Lord are on me always. What a blessing it is to know, well, I'm not so sure if it's so good to know that the Lord knows that hears everything I say or not. Let me say it's a blessing to know that the Lord hears every prayer I pray. Everything that we ask. He says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. There is a judgment day coming. I don't want to be part of that crowd. But, but that's not our message this morning. There's no doubt that there's a lot of evil in the world. There, there's no doubt that, that we are surrounded by evil things. But that, that's not our problem to worry about. 
God said he would deal with that. Our job is to tell the evil ones about the blood of Jesus Christ. Our job is to live a light in the midst of a dark world. Our job is to try to do good in the face of evil and to try to tell all of those about Jesus Christ and then let them make their choice. God will deal with the wicked. God will deal with the evil. God will deal with those who reject the gift, the ones who reject the offer. But God will also help us in our infirmities. God will guide us through our storms. God will help us in our situations. God will walk with us, hold us by the hand in our valleys. He will never leave us there by ourselves. He will comfort us in all of our weakness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Verse number 17 is a promise that's never broken. The righteous cry, the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. That word contrite right there comes the word, it means to be crushed. It means to be completely destroyed. Anybody ever gone through anything in your life that felt like it crushed your spirit? You've gone through things in, in life that honestly it feels like it, it, it destroyed your life and, and you wondered if you would ever get past it. If you ever been through something, you wondered, would, would you ever get to the other end? Would, would you ever get past this moment? God says that at no point did anything happen that was out of his control. At no point did anything happen. And, and he says that, that what the enemy meant for evil, what we see throughout the word of God, is what the enemy does and what the enemy means for evil, God turns it for good. Even the bad things that can happen in our life, God turns it to good. I don't know how many souls have been saved at funerals. I realize none of us want to be a part of a funeral. I realize we don't like going to the, to the place where, where our family members have gone on and have to take that time. But I can tell you at every funeral where the gospel is presented and, and, a, and the gift is offered, souls are saved. So even in the darkest moment, can I tell you, there are souls that get saved at funerals that would not ever darken the doors of a church. But the Holy Spirit ushers in a way to, to draw them in. I'm just saying that in everything, God has a plan. Nothing happens just because. You know, life has a lot of mountaintop experiences. And we're thankful for those, right? Anybody thankful for the sunny days, the good days, the happy days? I'm very thankful for the mountaintop experiences. But life also has some valleys. I don't remember which way he said it. I, I think yeah, it was Pastor Freeman He's talking about the valleys, and, and I guess it depends on whether you're pessimistic or optimistic. He said, you know, it takes two mountains to make a valley. I'm not a pessimistic person, but I was at that moment because I thought it also takes two valleys to make a mountain. It, 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 doesn't, really, it doesn't really seem to matter. Life has it, it, it's up and down, but, but there are those times in life that we feel like this is going to crush us. There are those times, those things that we go through that, that feels like this is just too much. You know, we recently, Brother Tim sang the song, the Jason Crabb song. What he just sang? Well, the Pemberton family did. They sang Through the Fire again. I love the song. The, 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 the song tells that he never promised that the cross would not get heavy. And that the hills would not be hard to climb. It says that, that he never offered a victory without fighting. But what he did say was that help would always come when? Fourth day? Fifth day doesn't matter. We know the fourth day is on time because we have the story to tell it, right? The story behind that is the third day, the Jews believed you could re be resurrected up to three days. They believe anybody come up to three days. There's a reason Jesus came on the fourth day. 
to prove that the help will always come right on time. Brandon Lake has a song that says, What the enemy meant for evil, he turned it for good. The fact is, God is in control of every situation. Some situations seem out of control, but whatever it is that has happened, you remember it's been two or three years back, but I preached a message on when your test becomes your testimony. Every test that we've ever been through in life, every trial that we've ever been through in life, everything that we've gone through, every test that God has brought us through, our test becomes our, our testimony. Can I tell you that what it is you're going through now is a test, it's a trial, but one day it will be your testimony. What you're going through now one day will be a testimony of the faithfulness of God, the strength of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the salvation of God, the thing that kept you going, the thing that held you through the storm. When you thought you couldn't stand, he held you up. It's kind of like that footprints in the sand picture that there are times when you couldn't see God and you thought, God, where were you? And he said, I was carrying you during those times. Everybody has times that we can look back that you wonder how you get through and then you remember what God did. You remember how God showed up and a lot of people are going through those trials right now. There's a lot of storms in people's lives going on right now. But the time will come when every test that we're in now will also become the testimony. Just don't give up. Just don't give in. Just don't give over to the enemy. Just don't listen to the lies of the devil. Just don't stop reading this book. Just don't stop praying. I, I don't know what your answer will be when it will come. I just know this. Don't stop. I, I've had two prayer requests this week from, from people that somebody has been through something devastating. And, and they, let's just say they're at odds with God. That they are very bitter, very angry towards God for allowing something to happen in their lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Probably most of us in here have at least had to deal with it. Whether we got angry or not, we've had opportunities because something may have happened that we begged God for, we asked God for, we asked Him to change it, we asked Him to fix it, we asked Him to solve it. And we know that He can, right? But, but He didn't. And that's when we have to decide whether we want to trust our way or God's way. That's when we have to decide which plan is better, our plan or God's plan. God obviously had a plan. And God doesn't have to always do things our way. So I'm just telling you, there, there's a world right now that there's many that, that, that are bitter. And our text says that the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit, a crushed spirit, a destroyed spirit. You know, a couple of weeks ago when we were doing our reading together, we read the book of John together. Uh, more than likely, most of you probably on Saturday and Sunday for 6 and 7, the day 6 and 7, probably read Second John, Third John. But on day 5 on Friday that week, when we read there in First John, chapter number 13 says, These things have I written on, unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. I love that. I, I love that. I love that I can know that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I love that I can know that when I check out of here, I'm going to check into there. I love that I can know that I'm going to move into a mansion that I'm not going to have to work on anymore. I'm not going to have to paint anymore. I'm not going to have to repair rotten wood anymore. I'm not going to have to do anything anymore because it's prepared by the master's hand. I'm thankful that I can know things. I don't have to wonder. You know as well as I do, everybody witness to, 9 out of 10 of everybody asked, do you know if you died right now you go to heaven? 9 out of 10 will say, I hope so. 
Well, which hope are you talking about? Now, there is a Bible hope that talks about a hope, but that hope is security. That hope means I know for certain. It's the kind of hope that I don't have any doubt whatsoever. But then there's the kind of hope that most of them are talking about. Well, I hope so. What is it that you're hoping on? Well, you know, I I, I try to do pretty good. Well, that ain't going to get you that. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. Well, I, I, I try to treat people right. Well, the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. His name's Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. But the Bible says that I can know that I have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Verse number 14, 1 John chapter 5 said, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9, the apostle Paul said, Let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. If we don't quit, if we don't give up, if we don't give in, if we just keep on praying, if we just keep on seeking, if we just keep on serving, if we just keep on giving God glory in everything that we do. Isaiah said in chapter 41, verse 10, he said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. That's a promise from God. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're going through, whatever trial, whatever adversity, whatever life brings, he says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Anybody need help? Anybody need God to help you? Hold you up. Get the, Listen, if you're living in this world, driving in this town, just dealing with life, we need God's help. Amen. He said, I'll be there. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7 says, Be ye strong, therefore. Let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. You know, sometimes life doesn't look like the dream. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And anybody kind of maybe growing up, you had an idea of, you know, the kind of car I'm going to drive and the kind of house I'm going to live in and the kind of job I'm going to have. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have any dreams? You growing up, you had some dreams about what life was going to be and how marriage was going to be and how family was going to be. And anybody know what I'm talking about if I say maybe life don't look kind of exactly like the dream did? You know what I'm talking about? Life doesn't always look like the dream. Genesis chapter number 37. I want to take just a minute and look at Joseph. Because Joseph had a dream. In the dream it says that he's going to rule over his brothers. That their sheaves bowed down before his sheaves. And so did his father's sheaves bow down. What that says is that his brothers and his father are going to bow their faces to the earth before him. Joseph is going to rule over his family. That's what the dream says. Now, the problem that he has is that his brothers already didn't like him because he was the father's favorite. He had his coat of many colors. So they already got a chip on the shoulder. They already don't like him. And then the father sends him out to check on the brothers. And the brother says, here comes that dreamer. Here it comes. Well, we'll put a stop to the dreams. Y'all listening? We will put a stop to the dreams. Can I tell you, you can't stop God's dreams. He says, we'll put a stop to the dreams. They catch him in the pit. They held on. They saw a band of Midianites. and says, hey, let's just take him and we'll sell him into slavery. We can't kill him. That's you know, the reason they couldn't kill him is because God wouldn't let them. But in the mind, we can't kill him. He's the father's favorite. So they just go off and sell him. So here's what I'm thinking. 
I'm thinking if I'm Joseph, I've had a dream. I've had a dream that my brothers and all of them. Now, Egypt's the last place I'm going to go. Egypt is the world. It's a picture of the world. Everything about Egypt is the world, the Pharaoh, the wicked. Last thing I'm doing is going to Egypt. Nowhere's near it, but, but my brothers, my family, everybody's going to bow down before me. I, I have a dream. Now, all of a sudden, here I am, cast into a pit, pulled up, and sold to a band of Midianites for a slave. I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. I remember the dream vividly. This wasn't in there. I, I, I remember all about all parts of the dream. It is not about being a slave. It is not about being sold to this, this group of people. So, so it says there that, that verse number 39, or chapter 39 and verse number 1, it says that Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. So now he's sold into Egyptian slavery, which had brought him down there. But in verse number 2, in the midst, I, I want you to see, you got put number two, in the midst of what looks like a disaster, in the midst of what looks like everything's going wrong, everything is upside down. I, my own brothers have betrayed me. I've been cast off. I've been sold. Now I'm sold into this slavery. And it says what? The Lord was with Joseph. He was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. There was never a time that God wasn't there. I'm sure when he was sold into the Potiphar's house, he's probably thinking, wait a minute. Wait a minute, it's going the wrong direction. I, I'm, not, I'm not only getting free and back to my homeland, I'm going further away now. Now I'm under Pharaoh's officers and, and here, how am I ever going to get out of this? Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Being the just man that he was, he ran away and the Bible says that he had to get out of his coat to get away from her. She had a hold on his coat. Now, she's pretty ticked off because he wouldn't do what she wanted. So she went to Potiphar, her husband, and lied and said, Hey, that, that, that man, that Hebrew you got in here, he, he tried to lie with me. And when I screamed, he ran off and he left his coat. Well, all that did is got him in trouble. But had, had he not been in Potiphar's house, he doesn't get falsely accused. If he doesn't get falsely accused, he didn't land in the prison cell. It says in verse number 20 of chapter, 20, 20 of chapter 39, that Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But look at verse number 21. Here we are again. Seems to be upside down, but the Lord was with Joseph. Do you see the trend here? This all seems to be going against the dream. This all seems to be going against the direction. This all seems to be going in the wrong way. But in every situation, the Lord was with Joseph. Can, can I tell you that, that God had a plan from the beginning? Just like he does in your life. Just, just like he does in mine. Just like he does in ours. Nothing catches God by surprise. Here's the deal. Raise your hand if you're perfect. Nobody. Wow. How, raise your hand if you're a work in progress. We ain't got to where we're going. That means God's still got to put us through some stuff. We've talked about faith a lot of times. God doesn't give you faith any different than he gives you patience. He'll teach you patience. And he'll teach us faith. But we learn faith by going through trials and seeing God deliver us through those trials. And your faith can only be as big as the biggest trial you've ever been through. So if you want your faith to be bigger, you got to go through something worse. So we're just happy for our faith to stay right where it's at, right? God has a plan. God, God has a plan for, for Joseph's life. God has a plan for ours. If he hadn't sold him into slavery, he, he never would have ended up in Egypt. If he never ended up in Egypt, he never ends up in Potiphar's house. 
If he never ends up in Potiphar's house, he never ends up in prison. Had he not ended up in prison, he never would have met a couple people that he really needed to get to, to know. That was, that was Pharaoh's chief butler and Pharaoh's chief chef. Chapter 40 of Genesis, verse number 8, they had a dream. They both come in. They're sad. And he asked them why they're sad. What's their account? What are they sad about? They said, we dreamed a dream. There is no interpreter of it. Joseph said unto them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. So they told Joseph their dream. Joseph interprets their dream. That doesn't work out too good for the chef because it says he's going to get killed. So he was hanged by the Pharaoh, exactly according to the dream. But had, not they, had he not met Pharaoh's servants there in, in the prison, then he would have never been called forth by the Pharaoh to interpret a dream. Because when you get over to chapter 41, now the Pharaoh has a dream. And he's troubled about the dream. And he calls in all of his magicians, all of his smart people. He calls them in in chapter 41, verse 8. He came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, talking about Pharaoh. It says he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. He spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in the ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. We dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. There was a young man. There with us was a young man in Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. We told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream did he interpret. In verse number 14, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. They brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. I've heard say of thee that thou canst understand the dream to interpret it. Verse number 16, you see what makes Joseph so special. Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. See, even though Joseph is going through some hard times, even though it looks nothing like the dream, even though things seem to be going in the wrong direction, he's still giving God the glory. He's still serving God with everything. He's serving God in the middle of the storm. Lord, somebody get some help. He's serving God in the midst of a trial. He didn't stop serving God because it wasn't going his way. He didn't stop praising God because it doesn't look like the dream. He's still giving God the glory. And there was a reward for it. There was a reward for on the other side, chapter 41, verse 37, after he interpreted the dream. It says, this thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. Now look, God has brought him to a place from a ditch to slavery up to a spot where he's standing before Pharaoh the king. And Pharaoh, king of Egypt, said, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Everybody saw not Joseph. Everybody saw Joseph's God. Everybody saw Joseph's God's ability, capabilities, greatness. See, your storm, we we talked about it on Wednesday night. Your storm may have nothing to do with you. It may be for somebody else to see what we were talking about on Wednesday night. I know I don't have time, but I'm going to take it anyway. We were talking about Paul and Silas being in the prison cell that night at midnight. And they were singing praises. And how we've always heard it preached and taught how they sang praises and they were set free. I realized something when I studied last week. Them singing praises at midnight really had nothing to do with them getting set free. 
That's what we looked at for a little bit on Wednesday night. The reality is, yes, the prison doors flew open. Yes, the chains fell off, but nobody left. All the prisoners were there, including them. You look a little further over, and what you find out the next day is that the magistrates, the one that had it beaten, put them in there, the magistrates sent a man to go set those men free. They didn't know about the earthquake. They didn't know about the shackles. They didn't know about the chains. They didn't know about the doors. You know what did happen by them praising at midnight? The jailer was saved. He and all of his house was saved, baptized, born again. I have every reason to believe that some of those magistrates at least saw the power of God. I have every reason to believe that even though the word of God doesn't talk about the other prisoners being saved, I have every reason to believe that, that those other prisoners at least saw God. They had an opportunity for salvation. But it was because Paul and Silas had to go through something for somebody else to see Christ in them. Sometimes what you're going through seems upside down. It doesn't seem anything like the dream. But God's doing something. And, if, and it, may, it may be eventually for your good to increase your faith. It's definitely for God's glory. But it may be for somebody else. It may so that it's easy it's easy to, to walk around and, and try to let people see Christ in us from on the mountaintops. But people will never see Christ in you more than when you have your head up in the valley. When your light is shining in the dark of the night. When the worst trial you're facing, you have a smile on your face. And you give glory to God in spite of your circumstances. In spite of your problems. People will never see Christ in you greater than, than when you glorify God in, in the worst of times. And that's what you see right here. Pharaoh took Joseph for as much as God had showed thee all this. There is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Verse number 40 of Genesis chapter 41. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. This is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, giving over authority right here. That all the people be ruled, and only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck, made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. You ready? Here it comes. Genesis chapter 42, verse number 6. Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came, bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Dream fulfilled. God's plan accomplished. After the prison, after the slavery, after the turmoil, after the lies, after the false accusations, after when life made no sense at all, dream fulfilled. And even the Pharaoh of Egypt had to see God in all of it. Here's the truth. God is the only remedy for our troubles. God is the only calm for our storms. God, God is the only morning to the midnight hours. Amen. God, God is the only one that can show up and make a way out of no way. God is the peace to your anxiety. We were talking about it this morning. I know the Bible says be anxious for nothing. But, well, when, when you've had some tests run... And the tests are a little spooky. And they're looking for something a little spooky. And you're having to wait to get test results back. I know what the text says. Y'all pray for them if y'all better than me. There, there's anxiety. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Waiting on test results can be hard. 
Waiting on test results of family members can be hard. God is the only peace in the midst of anxiety. He is the only solution to every problem that we have. He's the only answer to every question. He's all we need. The problem is just hold on to God. God is the safe place in our fears. God is our strength, our security. Psalms chapter 34 and verse number 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from, put Psalms 34 up there. Psalms 34, 4. I don't know if I gave you that one or not, but we'll put it up there anyway. I'm going to wait on it because I want you to see. I think I'm going to wait on it. Oh, y'all see a consistent word in there? How many of your fears? How many of your problems? How many troubles? How many trials? How many disappointments? He says, there is absolutely nothing that will happen in your life that I won't be there. There is nothing that you will walk through that I won't hold your hand. I'll either be with you or I'll carry you. There's not a trouble too great for him to handle. There's not a problem so big. But, but he says, I will be there in all. Our text said that he delivered them out of all their troubles there in verse number 17. God's not a halfway God. God, God, God does everything. And even though you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, doesn't mean there isn't one. Somebody say amen. Maybe y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Do I need to explain that? You ever been so deep in the storm, there's no way I'm getting out of this one? You ever been so deep in a financial storm, there's no way I'm getting out of this one? You ever been so deep in a family problem, there's no way I'm getting out of this one? Y'all starting to get what I'm talking about? You can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. God, are you even hearing what I'm praying? Just because you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel doesn't mean it isn't there. There's a day for a Pharaoh to call outside a prison and bring and, and do just like he did with Joseph and, and complete the dream. It means that we just have to hold on a little longer. We just have to trust him a little longer. We just have to have faith a little longer. We just have to keep praying earnestly a little longer. You know, the text tells us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes the night seems long. Sometimes the night seems darker than other nights. But what we can know is that God is always there. The Word of God is full of stories about children of God who have been through, I'm sorry, hell on earth. They have been through devastating situations. You know, David's life, devastating situations. Abraham went through problems. There's not a child of God, the greatest of, of the men in the text, that all went through problems. The apostle Paul, my goodness, he was, he tells about his own story about the, the shipwrecks and the beating and all that happened to him. One of the greatest men of God that ever lived. The, the man that gives us 13 books of the New Testament and letters to the churches. The man that God used greatly. His life was full of adversity. His life was full of turmoil, but look at how God used everything. The Bible's full of stories about people who, who, who went through storms, but God was in their storms. And he'll be in yours. The, the Bible's full of stories about how God was faithful in their trial, and he'll be faithful in yours. The Bible's full of stories about how he walked through the fire, the fourth man in the fire. The Bible's full of stories about lion's dens. The Bible's full of stories, men after men, child after child, woman after woman, children of God, where God is always there in the midst of the problems you just can't stop. God brought them through their problems. And God will bring us through ours. God will bring us through the trials of life. Brandon Lake, I mentioned that song, 
In the words of it, it says, fear is not my future. You are. Sickness is not my story. You are. Heartbreak is not my home. You are. Death is not my end. You are. See, sometimes we just got to remember God is. No, 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 when you don't know anything else, you just add in but God. No matter what you're going through in life, God, this is going on, this is going on. God, I've got this. If you just stop and say, but God, all that can change. It does not matter what the situation is. It does not matter what the equation, what the sickness, what the family problem, what the world. When you say, but God, everything changes. Because but God is the answer to, to all things. No matter what we're going through, sometimes, sometimes we just have to stand up in the middle of the storm and say, I will not be defined by the storm that I'm in, but by the victory that I have in Jesus. I will not be defined by the storm that I'm in, but by the victory that I have in Jesus. Sometimes we just got to remember Christ is enough. No matter what we go through, no matter how much life differs from the dream, no, no matter how much it doesn't look anything like what we thought it was going to be, God is always there. God is always in control. God gave us a promise. Hebrews chapter 13, he said in verse number 5, he said, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he had said, I will. When's he going to leave? When's he going to forsake you? What does that mean? What's never mean? It comes from a word, it means not at all. Not by any means, not for any reason, no, not ever, not in any case, not in any wise, never for any reason. That is God's promise to you and I. I will never leave you. No matter how bad the storms look, no matter how dark the night looks, I will never leave you. I'll be there with you. I will guide you. I will keep you. I will hold you. Just hold on to my hand. God said, I will never leave you for any reason. I want to get you, if you would, to stand where you are for just a minute. Bant, you guys come on. I want to do something for just a minute this morning. I have no doubt y'all don't pass out. I see the clock. I know what time it is. We still got an hour to go. I'm not sick. I know. Here's what I know. I know from prayer requests of people, I know from trials and troubles, I know what people are going through, I know the things they ask to pray for, I know that there are some people in our family, right, right here in our family, the need for God. Is it fair to say a need for God to touch you and remind you that he's there? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been so hopeless? You just, you just need God to just, just a little reminder. Just a little something. A simple little something. Just reminded he's there. There are some people going through some stuff that I know they just need for God to just sit down beside them and remind them it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I know it don't look like it right now. I, I know you're in a dark prison cell right now. I, I know you've been locked up because you're falsely accused right now. But it's going to be okay. I got a brighter day coming. And here's the reality. I know that probably every one of us knows somebody 
that needs for us to walk into the throne room of grace that we might obtain mercy on their behalf. I know there's some right now that are in storms that need you and I praying for them. I know there are some people right now who are struggling in their faith, trying to hold on, angry with God, bitter with God, mad about what has happened, not understanding. Can, can I tell you, every storm is either going to drive us to God or away from God. Everybody's got to make a choice. And a lot of times the reason somebody eventually runs toward God when it's said and done is because prayer warriors like yourselves won't ever stop going into the throne room on their behalf. So I want while these guys sing a, an invitation song, I want you, if you would, if you got your own storms that you need to bring to this altar, or if you know somebody that you need to pray for, I want to ask you to come down and make use of this altar and ask God to meet them in their storms, touch them where they are. I want to ask all of you, if you bow your heads just for a minute. You're welcome to come down and pray, all of you that will. Come and pray for whoever you will. But I wonder if there's anybody this morning you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Listen, the worst thing that's ever going to happen is you leave this life without Jesus Christ. We, we just talked about it. You're not going to be good enough to get into heaven. We have no good in us. The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked and thoughts of evil continually. But you can go to heaven. You can know that you can know that you can know that you're a child of the king and that you're going to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. He, he says, come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That, that one, I, I know that's talking to the Christian. You got burdens, you got problems that you can come. But I believe that's talking to everybody. Because I know he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You can be saved this morning. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. It's the free gift of God. It's up to you to accept the free gift. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to save my soul in Jesus' name. If you're willing to confess your sins before him and ask him to save your soul, he is faithful and just to do so. It's up to you to ask.